Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Welcome to Stories Are Soul Food. It is I, America. And Dee Wilson <laughs> and Brian Cole. Yeah, here we are. By the way, thanks to all of you who've contributed to the coffee fund. It's very, very kind of you. Yes. Uh, I'm a little surprised that people listen and they actually are contributing to Brian's feature addiction to lattes. Very nice, guys. All know, the dairy. You will know whether or not he's diving into the latte addiction if uh, the, milk, the, the milk bubbles start showing by up. By the sound of soft slurps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking more of the, the milk bubbles in the speech. Oh, You'll yeah. know the slurps right now. The slurps <laughs> are water, right? It's just yeah. water. But if the slurp results in a milk bubble, you know it was actually a latte because he's oh, not. I can't wait. He's not drinking milk, right? It's just going to be a latte. Yeah. Um. So yeah, welcome back. Welcome back to Stories Our Soul Food, and many thanks to every single one of you who kicked into the uh, the coffee fund for Stories Our Soul Food. We mm-hmm. really do appreciate it. Venmo stories as food stories ASF ASF. That's right. Stories ASF stands for our soul food, stolen food, soul food. <laughs> Um, stories are soul food. Stories as food. Yeah. Yeah. So stories ASF on Venmo. Thank you all very, very much. You'll keep us, you'll keep us in lattes for a little bit. Uh, we appreciate it muchly, but today we are talking about violence. Mm. Yes. Yes, we are. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. No. Why the- is it, Brian? And I assume this is the case for you with your, your boys, your mm. wee barons. Do you have VidAngel, right? Um, I think I canceled it. I canceled it, but I'm going to get it back (sighs) shortly so I can show them Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Brian, Brian, Brian. It's embarrassing to be called out on air. Brian, Brian, you need VidAngel and ClearPlay. You need both of them. All of you need both of them. Right. Um, I've heard this before. And yet you've not taken it to heart. You're, it will, it really will. I did. I just backed out. You didn't take it to heart. (laughs) It's not that much money. Just pony up. Just get it done. My wife was like, well, we have VidAngel, right? And I said, hmm, about that. So, yeah, yeah, embarrassing on multiple levels. Do it. It really is great to be able to watch stuff where you know, and it's not like everything can be filtered. Uh, so there's things you still don't watch, but it's really great to be able to watch stuff that you can just turn the filth off. But in my experience with people who do turn things off in the evangelical Christian world, or even the broader, anybody who would filter, they tend to filter the worst of the language and nudity. Yeah. Most, I mean, sometimes you'd get filtration of violence, but while the filtration of violence is possible uh, in, in, those, in those services, in Clearplay and Angel, Christians don't seem to be bothered by it. Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's not real. That's my first answer. <laughs> okay. I'd, so, I'd, I'd parse like, that. Like we run into, obviously this has been said many times, but the being naked on tv is real but shooting some guy on tv is not real it just looks real we're never confused i don't think we're ever confused now kids maybe i don't think we're ever confused into thinking that's real it it seems similar to our video game debate when you kill someone on a screen yeah does that transfer into real life so what i'm getting from this is you'd be fine with visual effects nudity Mm. i'm trapped no i (laughs) (laughs) i uh hmm no, maybe perhaps this, the... Uh, Don't worry, children, it's not a real buttock. <laughs> it is CGI. <laughs> Somebody in Malaysia made that buttock. <laughs> Just digitally. For this scene. 
Yeah, no, okay, fine. Uh, immorality or immodesty is real on screen. Violence on screen's not real. Okay. That's a pretty safe, typical response, right? No, it's not really typical, but it does make sense. It does make sense to me. Okay. I thought I copied it from your dad, so I'm glad it makes sense. Yeah, you may have. You may have copied it. it, it yeah, does. is there anything wrong? You know, pick a movie like, can we talk about Nobody? Is yeah, that... let's get there, but let's talk about Gladiator first. Okay, yeah. What would it take for you to show your boys Gladiator? Or your mm -hmm. oldest? How old is your oldest? Uh, almost nine. Yeah, nine. I so mean, I, I think, yeah, you know, I would be more worried about the thematic stuff. Yeah. About his wife being raped and dead, getting through, than I would be about him, you know, where there's that scene where the guy spits blood out of his mouth as he gets his head chopped off or those kinds of things, right? Okay. So for full disclosure, my daughter watched Gladiator, I think when she was nine. I think I'm eight basically, or, I'm saying nine. I'm ready to show him yeah, Gladiator. If only you had been Angel. If only, um, yeah. So, and I did filter the themes, like the, the there's a rant, you know, the, the soldiers are ranting about how his wife was tortured you know, it's like, it's, it's not on screen. It's just the guy talking about it. Right. And so that was filtered out. Um, the fact of his wife's murder is not filtered out. Uh, and then I filtered out some of the creepy emperor, like kind of weird incesty oh, yep. stuff. Uh, but as far as the violence goes, I only filtered the most, the most gratuitous. There were probably like three shots in the entire film right. that I filtered for my, for my daughter. There's the one where you're running out into the arena I just, I just remember that one. And there's like yeah. a mace that hits some guy's head right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. So I'm I remember that like one. Kind of an explosion. But my kids have, you know, she was pretty young when she watched Children of Men. She was pretty young. Now these are all, again, these are heavily filtered and curated. And I've, I've kind of, and discussed also. So it takes extra work. Incidentally, this is one of those things like filtering is not for the lazy, the lazy parent. Because if you do just leave all the filters on, it's pointless. The movie's pointless. You know, if you leave the thing set to full Mormon, you're going to lose the story. You're going to lose every reference to idiots. You know, it's like, it's just, it's silly. So you do actually have to do the work to, to go through and, and set the filters and kind of have a familiarity with the film beforehand. Um, you know, as, as a rule of thumb, you got to kind of know what you're filtering out. But violence is an interesting thing because we don't, um, well, I would say if there's a movie that glorifies violence, uh, that is immoral or amoral violence, then it doesn't matter if you filter it or not. Just don't watch it. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, but if violence is in its proper place, if violence is being used um, in the ways that it could or should be, even if it's cartoony, you know, even if, even if it's cartoony and up there, like dialed up, um, then you're not lying and you're not damaging your children. So unless you're including some of the most graphic stuff that will kind of traumatize them or right or uh, cause them to be fixated with it or or yeah. bad dreams. I mean, you, the little this is guys. This back to the knowledge of yeah, bad yeah. dreams, but the knowledge of good and evil too, where it's just kind of like okay, so you're too little for this because this is actually kind of celebratory. You're like this this scene is kind of reveling gleefully in this gore. Right. Um, and that's a problem. Yeah, I could see you deciding, this is a funny example, but in the prequel Star Wars where Anakin's burning on the lava on the shore, you know, I could see that bothering a younger kid. Yeah. You know, because they understand burning. I could yeah. also see some of the stuff in, in Gladiator not necessarily bothering because the lines of he's a soldier. Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, we're all supposed to be crushing serpent heads, which is not going to be a bloodless yep. affair. 
so yeah, actually at the beginning, I also filtered out the head, the, the barbarian chops the head off a, off oh. a messenger and throws it and it rolls around on the ground. I, I deleted that one. Um, is that just because you don't, you don't want to take up her headspace with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's not, it's um, not like a sin. There's no, no, it's just, there was no upside. Right. <laughs> like, there's no, right. Like, okay. So there's no upside in her having seen this. When you do watch it, you think, wow, cool. That looks like a real head. Or you so, feel the reality of the situation. The other thing I've done with my kids, and especially with her more, most recently, is have a lot of conversation and discussion around the, the fact that this is fake, that this is drama, this is pretend, and we talk about the mechanism for doing it, that, like how production works. Right. You know, like what is the fake blood made of? Yeah, and um, if you slow down the guy getting his head blown off with a mace, in Gladiator, you can watch him spitting out the blood out of his mouth. The actor has got a mouthful, and so he's just... <laughs> Spewing it, spewing it out as you slow it down in slow mo, you can see it looks like his head gets taken off, but he's really just spitting a bunch <laughs> yeah. of spray. Yeah. So you talk about that, and you talk about the fact this is a play, like your school plays. Yeah, it's like and this is you know you turn some of the stuff down that's too haunting, but you don't present it to them as this ever as this this is real, and you don't ever present it to them as if it arrives um, undeconstructible. You know, you want your kids thinking about deconstructing the scenes, deconstructing actor decisions, deconstructing the whole production. They can enjoy the story. They can laugh at the story or enjoy the characters, but they still are constantly thinking about how is it made? How is it done? Oh, that's fake. That's dumb. And they see things like a girl beating up the rock and Ryan Reynolds. And they know that that was a writer director decision. Yeah. Like this is a person's decision to make this happen, that these guys are not actually fighting her and are not actually losing. Yeah. It's because they have made her such a desirable object that they need to say, now, hold on. She's got more value than that. She yeah. can beat up the rock. <laughs> yep, exactly. And so see, we're not just making her decoration, but you want to be, you want to have kids who are processing everything as a decision made by artists on purpose to accomplish a particular goal. And so- can you tell, does that connect with glorification, right? Yeah. Because that's how you decide whether it's yeah. okay to show something in a movie. Yeah. What is this artist deciding to do? What are they doing? And when they make, they mix that Hershey's syrup, that corn syrup with food coloring to get this blood when they do this whole thing. So my kids watch The Quiet Place and we talked specifically about the problem of directors who are also starring. <laughs> mm. And so John Krasinski gives himself this like so much extra business around his death scene this actor business and he never ever would have given it to any other actor. I mean, I, I firmly believe that if he were directing a different character, that's okay. Scene, explain that to me. I think he, it's okay. We spoil this. You should have watched it already. Yeah. He gave himself this big dramatic self-sacrificial father death scene, but in it, it's like, I'm going to pick up the ax. I'm going to set down the ax. I'm going to do all the, it's all this extra business that you give to an actor in a scene that gives him extra beats that keep that keeps the camera on him and then enables him to do this slow, self-sacrifice which turns out to have been completely unnecessary because you know anyway but he hypes it up and here's this big self-sacrificial moment i happen to like the narrative beat i wish the self self-sacrifice mattered more um you mean because there's they figure out how to i like the fact of self-sacrifice right but he did not sacrifice himself to save anyone or anything Okay, you know, because he could have made a noise in any other way. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. There's just other possible narrative choices that okay. you know where he could have potentially survived and then been around for the franchise. But instead, he needed a big dramatic death scene and the kind of death scene that an actor loves. <laughs> mm -hmm. But a director, if it weren't his actor love for that scene, a director might have seen that the narrative could have been stronger. 
in another way. Okay. And so I'm incidentally, I'm not arguing against the dad dying. I'm just, I think the dad dying should have been the thing. If he was going to die, it should have been the thing, which made the difference that turned the tide and not just, I died to buy you an extra 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then you made it on your own. You know, okay. like it's. So there's so, a gear, not quite interl- interlatch. Or yeah. And I still love the film, but I uh, hate the second one, but it's. Anyway, the point is, my kids have watched that. Here it is. We talk about, okay, so why did he decide to do that? Watch, watch what he does with the axe. Watch how he picks it up. He swings it. He drops it. He you know, stands there with it at his hip, and then he drops it again, and then he holds his arms out. And you know, it's like all this, all this extra business that he has. And okay. why, why would he do that? It's like, well, in this case, I think it's pretty easy. It's because he's the director. <laughs> um, so it's... Okay. Uh, but we talk through that with anything interesting. And it also, I use it to remove the intensity of scenes that could otherwise, really compelling scenes that could otherwise be just potent, land really, really heavily. Like right. I want my kids to see all the wires. I want them to see all the wire work and know what's going on. And they can either be for it or against it or impressed or not. So you don't really like the let's get carried away. No, I hate it. Yeah, you think that's the problem with watching? We can enjoy movies. it, but we're also going to pull it apart and let's like let's work on the engine. Okay. Um, I want my kids under the hood, and they know what makes it work and what makes it doesn't work, and they can be critical of directorial decisions or actor performances. So, what do you have to say to those folks who are just like, "Hey, I just love Marvel. Everything they do is fun. It doesn't matter that's not a good movie. I just love it." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, to maybe that's a question for another time. Yeah. To really amplify it. Like if I was going to overstate it, I would just say it's, that's fine, but just be honest. You know, it's like you're, you're saying that you really, really, really love hamburger helper. You're saying that you really, really love, and I incidentally enjoy hamburger helper. You're saying that you really love pump cheese at a gas station. That's what you're, you know, high level global mass crowd manipulation. And there's the incidentally plenty of fun things. To, to talk about or be excited about. It's not that there's no fun things. It's that there are plenty of fun things there. It's just, you gotta be better than that. There's a ton of people who've, who've become that fifth grade boy who will only read Incredible Hulk comics and they, ne- right. they need to move on to other, other stuff. So, so here's to asking your question. Why do you think conservative Christians are so fine with violence and so careful with any sort of sexual reference? Well, actually, they're not very careful, to be honest. But why, why is that, <laughs> why is that something that we kind of wince at? We wince at the sexual reference, but we are fine. We still see violence. violence as an outworking of personal strength and personal virtue. Mm. And so it can be, and this is both right and wrong. This is something that in the world that, that God made men like King David or men after God's own heart, the ability to stand and not break and to break thousands of others in front of you is held up, you know, as this amazing thing for Samson. It's held up for, um, I don't remember the the tag. His name's Adino, but it's Adino the whatever. He's one of David's three. Oh, okay. And uh, Adino, it's like Ebzonite or something like that, Um, but it's not his real name. (laughs) So, uh, it's one of those guys where it gives his name and then gives his nickname. So I forget his real name, but his nickname is Adino. And it says, because he's called Adino, because he once slew 800 at once. Crazy. You know, that's Samson Shamgar level. Like he, he's knocking on the door up there. 
And then you have all these other guys. I just you can't have, imagine um, how long that would take to kill 800 people. I'm trying to remember. I'm scrolling through. I can see it in my head, but I'm trying to like, sort the names. There's the guy who went down in the pit, but he uh, went down in the pit to fight the lion on the snowy day, which is incidentally something about Israel too. Yeah. There was snow and they saw, hey, there's a lion down in that pit. I'm going to go down there. David himself, when he brags about killing the lion, a lot of people assume like yeah, he killed it with a sling like he killed Goliath. He he specifically says he went in and grabbed it by the hair. Yeah. You know, he killed a lion in hand-to-hand combat. So we go through this and we say, yeah, violence, violence, violence. Men who can fight, men who can like lock their knees, hold the bridge, hold the mountain pass, you know, heroic Dutchmen who there's one guy who I believe held a bridge against the Spanish while an entire Dutch city was successfully evacuated by himself. But the story was that when he finally fell and they were able to cross, he had 500 arrows in him. Like, <laughs> so like the amount of pain, like the amount of pain, the amount of agony that a guy can get through is actually, is held up in scripture. And so if you watch Die Hard, the best Christmas movie ever made, by the way, on VidAngel. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch Die Hard, one of the great touches is him being stuck barefoot and having to walk across glass. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's having to walk across glass. It's like, okay, that's just sadistic. You know, it's like, no, this is, this is a testimony to this guy's masculinity. He's willing to just break apart and die. You know, he's willing to spend himself completely here. And it takes a long time for him to spend himself. And we see that in the judges. We see that in the Old Testament. So, I mean, is that Quiet Place 2 with stepping on the nail? Is, Quiet Place you... 1 with the nail? Sorry, yes. Yeah. Um, no, Quiet Place 1, that just tells you, I mean, that helps because you, you feel for her. But it, that tells you the nature of humanity and how we connect to things we know more than things we don't know. Why is it that I sat in the theater that was very, very silent? And one of the biggest audible reactions from the whole theater in a, in a show about aliens hunting you was a woman stepping on a nail. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so the nature of sympathy and our connectivity and our own experience to things. That's that's something. There's wisdom in that nail scene there for all storytellers. Okay, you know, it's like this is you don't never, see it as character driven as the Bruce, you're connected, Bruce Willis. Yeah, but you're connected to her, and it does help you feel for her further. Right. And really, like, you really are yeah. really feeling for her, quite literally there. And so, just know that the bigger, slimier, louder alien is not as effective as stepping on the nail when you're trying to escape that alien. Right. You know, it's... Yeah. Anyway. So, like, violence and toughness and, you know, the ability to get through things like that is something that it's actually a virtue. And so, it can be corrupted. Uh, violence for no reason, you know, amoral gore, gratuitous celebration of gore, and so on. It can it can be absolutely abused. But I think there's a reason why yelling f bombs is never held up as a virtue. You know, nude scenes, you know, immorality. Never like there's no confusion there. Violence is something very very different because a it's not real as, as you said, and b it is actually in the vein of something that can be virtuous and respected. Well, the others cannot. The film Nobody is a perfect example of the kind of thing I've watched with my kids on Clear Play. I think it was. I'm an angel. Okay. Wow. But it's- uh, What did you filter on that one? I mean, besides the- Language. The language. I, I mean, yeah. of the violence, did you filter anything? Because there's so much. I'm trying to remember. I may have. Because I saw it. I did see it first. I kind of knew. Right. But the, the thing there is, that was one, I'll 
tattle on my kids. That's one where they just missed the theme. They missed what was going on. We went into it. Then we got popcorn. They were distracted, successfully distracted by the amount of action. And so they didn't pick up thematically what was going on in the film. That the film says, hey, I'm just nachos. I'm just nachos. Don't pay attention to me. I'm just nachos. But it is, in fact, actually saying something about masculinity in America. Um, yeah. I think one of the, what I loved about that movie is compared to John Wick, for example, is that there's that which moment. Which is escapist violence. Escapist yeah. violence, yep. Nonstop headshots in John Wick. And nobody, that he has a moment of restraint at the beginning of the movie where he doesn't golf club that, that yep. woman in the back. Yep. And that moment of restraint, I think, which, which also turns out to be what it turns his family finally against him or, yep. or shows that that moment right there, I thought the was The culmination such, of his weakness. Yes, yeah, such a great moment. Because on the one hand, he did not want to hurt someone with no, for yep. no reason. And on the second hand, it just showed how all his priorities had been totally flipped. So you have a guy in a recent film where his tragic flaw, his mistake at the beginning is an attempt to de-escalate violence. Yeah. He doesn't just go for the kill and the win. Instead, he tries to de-escalate the situation. And that is him. <laughs> He's judged. The film judges him. Like he loses his family. He's yeah. losing everything because he tried to de-escalate instead yep. of just taking the kill shot. Yeah. So funny. And then the theme of the film stated multiple times, for those of you who have not seen this, is do you remember who we used to be? And it's always between father and son, uh, this old old Christopher Lloyd character who once was uh, a hard-bitten fighter, and then his son, who's the main character of the, of the film. Mm -hmm. Both of them say it. Do you remember who he used to be? Yeah, he says it to, to his wife, to, too, though. Yep, exactly. Yep. Well, he yeah. says it to oh, his wife, see, and his yeah. father says it to him. So it's stated, what that means is the writer and the director state the theme multiple times in multiple places, and this guy is wussing out, struggling with his life. His wife has you know real estate posters up at the bus stop. You know, he's just weak and weak and weak and then he tries to his neighbor has a has that is it a, has a muscle car a muscle car <laughs> so his neighbor has an american muscle car and uh he just doesn't remember he's forgotten who we american males used to be okay that's represented by a classic muscle car it's represented by fighting russians the whole time and yep. this wild rambo like yep style but he ultimately and represented by the family life like the value yep. of his family yep the value of his family and you have a guy who actually locks his wife in the basement like she does not help him. She does not come in with a karate kick at the last minute. She does not prove herself to be a secret judo expert who defeats The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. He locks her in the basement and says, don't call the police. <laughs> like, I'm handling this. And then he just comes uncorked. And, it's, and the fact is also, it's not John Wick where he's like not touched. Right. It's not Equalizer Denzel violence where he's so, so good that nobody can possibly touch him. He gets the tar kicked out of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's really, really, yeah, really getting whooped. And then he just starts yeah. and, and starts in. But anyway, that one, I watched it and I couldn't believe. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm hearing all these critics in Hollywood really like celebrate this. And a lot of people talking about how great it is. Did they really not notice any of it? Because this is a celebration of toxic masculinity as far as. Uh, well, they missed quote, it quote, and thought unquote, it was toxic just, They thought it was just Jason Bourne. Yeah, he's trying to be he's trying to be the supportive husband, supporting his wife's career. He's trying to be, you know, the soft, gentle guy. I actually need to watch this in, in the new art on big screen. I've seen it twice, but maybe over Christmas break. I'll throw nobody up on the big screen. Yeah. Anyway, it's so funny. It's so funny to me that he, that he did that in such a popcorn movie to say, men are now emasculated. But do you remember what it was like when men weren't? 
<laughs> and then a lot of dead Russians. Yeah, a whole lot of dead <laughs> Russians. And so it's really about I mean, the, his I think first it's fight, a reference to the greatest generation. It's more about yeah. like it's more about what America was. His like, first fight is because he's protecting a girl on a bus. Yeah. Um, yep. And that bus scene. And that, he's so grateful. And he's just so grateful when it's just like he's he's emasculated. He's feeling stupid. The thing that causes him to snap is his kids despise him. His wife is confused. His son curses him for because he gets his son gets punched in the face because he didn't because his dad didn't take the kill shot. His his he doesn't he tries to deescalate, and then the thing that snaps him is that his daughter lost the thieves took his daughter's kitty cat bracelet. Right, that's like his son got beaten. None of them, nobody respects him, and they even stole his daughter's kitty cat bracelet. And it's like oh yeah, and then he goes off, but he can't really solve the problem. And he's sitting on a bus when some thugs Russians. Yeah, get onto the bus and start harassing a a girl, and he's just basically like, "Thank you, God." It's like this is yeah, this is his opportunity to really you know work some things out, right? Also, interesting writing point: the original version of the movie was just John Wick style. Yeah, he goes to get the kitty cat bracelet back and kills all the people on the way, and I and I I love that they, they made the it. change because that movie would have been terrible, as bad as John yeah. Wick. You know, yeah. an interesting idea, fun, this idea, sure. this world of assassins. But what this is, is just a character with a real character yep. that you watch in. And a hilarious theme. A hilarious theme and to play the out. I thought it was so fun with the way it was executed. But oh. also, I was like, how am I watching this movie that is so violent and thinking, hey, this is so fun? And I, I think you're right about it. It's because yeah. it's his virtue. This guy, yep. is, it's his. He's rediscovering his virtue. Yeah, he's finding and it's, it. And uh, it's also so cartoony hyperbolic in the like yep. do you remember you remember the way we used to be well it wasn't actually like that <laughs> like <laughs> but it's it's sort of like a little hagia you know hagiography about right you know old what what american males used to aspire to and admire and respect so it's less about individual american males being able to do that and more about american males growing up watching you know, watching Rocky and watching Rambo and watching a particular type of masculinity and even yeah. Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Was that movie directed by a woman? No. It wasn't? Am I mixing up the name, the first name? It can't must be. So. Anyway. Yeah. So in books, violence, I happen to write with violence and damage. That is the last question. But I am, I am, uh, I try to do it in a way that is not, it's not there to make people giggle. It's not there just to be like, hey, naughty, naughty. We're doing something really gross. I'm trying to shock you with grotesqueries. What's the most violent thing you've written? Mm. I think I've written more creepy things than like graphically violent stuff. I was going to go with, well, I can't spoil. Never mind. No, tell me. What is it? What do you when, think? When, uh, well, I'm just thinking if you're going straightforward violence, Antigone getting chewed to pieces. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is a, is so you're talking about in the current Silent Bells. In the current Silent Bells. Yeah. So that's a ways in. Antigone's big stand in book four in the bell tower with Rupert Greaves, where it just they just keep coming. Yeah. You know. Um, but if you read and you all all should read The Great Siege, like Malta, fifteen sixty five. It's a short book. It's about the siege of Malta. You get your head around the kind of violence like that was commonplace that, that, these, that yeah. different people had to face in different times. If you read the Old Testament. And you try to construct a story around it. Like, so I'm working, I'm working on a show right now and we're looking in the Old Testament and we're trying to construct narratives out of these different pieces and these little details that get thrown in the Old Testament. You have to make it work. We're like, wow, that, 
wow, it's easy for us just to hear that, but to actually play it out in your head, David going to get 200 foreskins. Yeah. Like, okay, okay. Like, this is really God? Like, we have to have this? That is a thing, incidentally, that Game of Thrones would not dare do, where it's like some queen says, hey, so you're going to, some the, the sick red queen or whatever is like, I need you to go circumcise the carcasses of 200 of my enemies and then bring me those foreskins. You know, and Saul says 100, and David says, you know what? We're going for two. It is the dowry after all. Yeah. The bride price. It's like, okay. Like that is, hmm. Yeah, wow. I mean, high, like we're talking about extreme violence, inappropriateness, everything all wrapped up in, in one. And there it is, sitting in the Old Testament. And it's kind of like one of David's first big heroic moments as a warrior in the court. So he's been the shepherd boy who hit the, hit the giant, and now he's got this first task that's like a trap to get him killed, but the violence, the bloodiness, the life and death struggle that was always going on is just so foreign to us. So yeah, read the old Testament and read it like it happened and, and then adjust your, your mentality. If you're, yeah. a little, if you're a little squeamish and pay attention to what they're trying to make you feel. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the cue for violence, right? Yep. Correct. Okay. There we go. I think that's it for the violence episode. We'll, we might have some questions or some objections or some anger. Uh, we might have some people who want their money back from those coffee donations, but too late. <laughs> too late. Too late. We're drinking the lattes. <laughs> it's happening. Thank you all very much. Thanks for listening. We will chat again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the book Andrew and the Fire Drake by Douglas Wilson. Get your copy today at cannibalbooks.com.